and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Good morning and welcome. Um, I've enjoyed watching the videos um, that we've seen over the past few weeks. This is the 90s with Joe Fort. And I want to add, un- oh, I'm sorry, please be seated. <laughs> Why are y'all standing there looking at me? <laughs> As someone who may have preached last Sunday noted that they were born in the 90s. I, however, was not born in the 90s. <laughs> But grew up um, at a church on the other side of Houston, First Methodist uh, Missouri City, and where Matt came from, actually. And um, in the same time frame, and I think the neighborhood I grew up in, Quill Valley, was always very similar. So as I look back at these pictures and see the things that are in the hallway, it brings back a lot of memories of my own church and where I grew up in that time frame. We also had, I guess it was the thing in the 80s, we also had a tricycle race at our church. It was a big tradition with our youth department as well. So um, it's really been wonderful to, to, to walk through this time. And Margaret Fort and their son Joe will actually be here at 11. So as you're leaving today, you may want to look for them and see if you can catch them as well. So the scripture for today is from Matthew 13, 1 through 9. I'm going to start by reading that this morning. So listen to the word of God. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on shore. Then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. So I'm also going to share something that has never happened to me. I've been in school and seminary, some of you may know, for the past several years. This is the first time that my assignment for the week that I turned in on Tuesday was over this scripture. (laughs) I will spare you the (laughs) academic version of what I turned in. But um, it was just an interesting uh, thing that happened. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit of that knowledge and a little bit of the context that we talked about and um, learned about this week through that as well. So anytime we're reading scripture, when we're reading through the parables, we need to look at them in context to see where they're not only within that book, but within that chapter as well, how they sit. And the scripture today came from Matthew, and overall, you can kind of sum up the message of Matthew as the kingdom of heaven is near, and it's about the proclamation of the gospel. And so when we go back into Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then a little bit later in 417, when Jesus begins preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he instructs the disciples when he's sending them out, 
Proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And so we can see that theme. Anytime you're reading scripture and you see something repeated, take note. It means it's important, and it means God's really trying to give us a message through that and help us to understand something and look at it differently. So we know that that kingdom of heaven is an important part of, the, of Matthew. And so as we look at this particular parable, we're trying to look to see what it tells us about the kingdom of heaven being near and what that means for us. How do we sow extravagantly for the kingdom? We've seen the many ways that, that our church has sown extravagantly through all these different decades. The way that the message and the gospel has been preached and shared And so we want to look today at how do we continue for the next 50 years and more, but the next 50 years to continue to sow extravagantly. So as we look at this particular parable, first we have the sower. That's who Jesus introduces first in this parable. And we can kind of look at that as, as Jesus is the sower. In their current time frame, where they are right now, he is, is the sower. He is who is spreading the seed. And then as we continue to look at this in, in a current context, in a current time frame, we can see what he was trying to tell the disciples. This is one of the few parables that Jesus goes on to explain later on in the chapter. And so he's trying to, to communicate to the disciples as well, not just to the people that he's speaking to. And so he's trying to let them see that this is the response of Israel. This is the response of the community around them as he is sharing who he is and trying to reveal that to them. And then he's trying to help later on for the disciples to be able to see that this is going to be the response sometimes of when, the God, when you share the gospel. Sometimes it's going to fl- fall on a rocky place or it's going to fall on the pathway and not survive. Sometimes it's going to fall into a thorny place and sometimes it's going to fall into good soil and it's going to produce abundantly. It's going to produce extravagantly. And so what does that mean for us? It's like any good parable. There's the context that it was told in. There's the message that Jesus was trying to convey to those people immediately in that situation. There's the context that could be carried forward for the disciples. And then there's also the significance that this parable has for us today. And Jesus was talking about the seed He was the sower and the seed. And the seed is the word of the kingdom. The seed is what he is spreading. And that Jesus has come to earth to tell them about the kingdom. The word of the kingdom is the good news. It's the gospel. It's why Jesus came to earth. He showed us what love looks like in the flesh. And he died for our sins. He was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven so that we could experience new life in him. And Jesus is here on earth showing us what heaven on earth looks like. And in Jesus' time, it looked like people being healed, the dead being raised, and the unclean being made clean. What Jesus knows and the disciples and the people don't quite fully understand at this point is that Jesus is going to die on the cross He's going to be resurrected three days later. He's going to ascend into heaven and leave us with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the kingdom. This is the gospel. It's the good news. And this is what we are called to sow as well. 
This parable is about the good news being spread. And Jesus is telling this to the people who don't recognize who he is. And this was true of people recognizing Jesus when he was on earth, and it was true of the disciples' time when they were going out and spreading the gospel. And sometimes it's true for the church now as we exist. So what does this mean for us? Jesus, in verses 18 through 23 in Matthew, explains the parable. In it, he says, in that explanation, he says, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in a person's heart. That's the seed that was sown on the pathway. And the rocky ground is those who hear and receive it with joy, but don't have the roots to endure the tribulation and the persecution. Some care for more for the world, and delight in, their delight in riches chokes out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But the good soil is someone who hears the word and understands it and bears fruit, abundant and extravagant fruit. I'm going to point out something real quick because I want you to keep it in the back of your mind as I'm going through the sermon. Verse 9, when Jesus ends this particular parable, the words he speaks, whoever has ears, let them hear. And I've spoken about it before, to the Jewish people, to hear was not just to process something auditorily. To hear meant to listen, meant to understand, it meant to obey. To hear was to obey to them. So he's telling them, whoever has ears, let them hear. Hear what I'm really saying to you. So if this parable is about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, how do we do that? What does that look like for us? It's not always going to be well-received or recognized by everyone. It's not going to be an easy journey. Sometimes seeds will fall on the path or a rocky or thorny ground. So what does it look like for the church to sow seeds for the kingdom of God in our context? The good news is we serve a God who is always sowing. God the Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit send the church out into the world. Sometimes we get that a little bit backwards. We get that a little bit mixed up, and we start to think that the church is doing the sending. The church is the sent agency. That is who and what we are. We have been sent by the Holy Spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out into the world. It's through this. This is the mission of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it includes the church. It includes each one of us as individuals who make up that church. God is love. And the nature of that love is to go outside of itself. It's to be other-centered and not self-centered. Jesus, in John 20, 21, says these words. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you.
Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Our sending flows out of our relationship with God and Christ through the Holy Spirit. But listen to the the next verse, to verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's kind of the rest of the story. I'm going to read that all together because I think we need to, to have that in our minds all together. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We are being sent through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are being sent to participate in God's mission. We are being sent to sow, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and to participate in the movement of God's love towards all people. When the church tries to send itself, that's when we run into problems. When we try to initiate or sustain that movement on our own, when we try to send ourselves, when we try to do this life without God, we're kind of sending ourselves out into the world, but we're sending ourselves. We are a child of God, and we are sent as his child. We are invited to participate in God's mission. And when we do that, we're able to overcome our fears and the issues and the problems that might come, the obstacles to the mission that the parable of the sower warns us about. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we scatter those seeds. And the same applies to us as individuals. In Zechariah 4.6, Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, was appointed by God to lead the returning exiles in rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And this is what the prophet Zechariah tells him. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. My subtle translation of that is, it's not about you, it's about me. And that's God telling us that. Sometimes we start to think that it's our gifts. Well, I got these gifts from God. God gave me these gifts. I was meant to use them. But we use those gifts through the Spirit. When we have a task before us, when we have a, uh, something that we need to accomplish, like rebuilding a temple, God, through Zechariah, is telling Zerubbabel, yes, you have these amazing gifts and talents, but it's only by my Spirit that I will accomplish my work through you. This is not your work. It's my work. So how do we continue to sow extravagantly? How do we continue to spread the good news? Extravagance involves doing something that doesn't make sense. That was the best definition I could kind of come up with this week when I was thinking about this. When we give extravagantly, we give beyond expectation. We give more than is expected. We give more than is the norm. We give in a way that is 
truly not understood sometimes. The recipient doesn't always understand, why did I receive this? This is beyond, above and beyond. It involves doing something that doesn't make sense sometimes. It involves being com- uncomfortable and stepping outside of our comfort zone. Extravagance is about going above and beyond what the world tells us is necessary. It involves loving people that the world tells us are unlovable. All because we have a God that loves us so extravagantly that he sent his son to die for our sins. That kind of extravagance doesn't make sense. But our response to that kind of extravagance is our response to God's love. And when we truly understand that, when we truly accept that into our hearts, then our response becomes extravagant. It becomes an extravagant sharing and overflowing of what we have experienced, of the new life that we have experienced in Christ. I think Peter is one of the best examples of an extravagant guy. I always feel like Peter, through most of the New Testament, whenever you hear he's a he's a go big or go home kind of guy. Um, if he's going to mess up, he's going to mess up big. But when he does it right, he really does it right. In, in Acts, Peter is called. He has, a, has a, a dream. And God gives him a vision of eating foods that are unclean. And then from that, he, he's called into Cornelius' home. And he goes to, to visit them and eat with them. Cornelius was an unkosher Gentile. But Peter's obedient. Peter goes, he's summoned, he goes to Cornelius' home, and he goes knowing that he's had this vision. And then he arrives at the officer's house, and I feel like this is where Peter was just pushed completely out of his comfort zone. (laughs) This is not where he was supposed to eat. This was not who he was supposed to eat with. It was not the foods he was supposed to eat. He is in a place where he has never been before. And while he goes in there, this is what he does when he meets with Cornelius and his family. He begins to tell them about Jesus, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. And this is what Scripture tells us. And the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the response, what happened then was that Peter welcomed Cornelius and his uncircumcised, non-kosher family by baptism into the church. So Peter, through his vision, through what he had seen and heard, knew he saw the Holy Spirit move, and he knew that, that he couldn't override that. But Peter had to go back and explain this to the apostles and tell them why he had done this. And this is what Peter tells the apostles in Acts eleven seventeen. Who was I that I could hinder God? He realized, this is not me. This is God. This is how we so extravagantly, it's when we are obedient and we go out and share the good news in places that are very uncomfortable sometimes. 
And sometimes they're uncomfortable because they're hard places to go. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because we're dealing with people who have problems and issues and addictions and mental illness and things going on in their lives that are hard and messy to deal with, and that's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's uncomfortable because of our own fears and our own inhibitions, because we are nervous about how that person's going to respond if we start to share who Christ is in our life and what he has done for us how he has transformed our lives. Are they going to, my coworker going to think I'm some crazy Bible thumper? Are they just going to blow me off? Is it just going to end in an awkward silence? How is this going to go? Peter didn't know how it was all going to end when he walked into that house either. But you know what? The Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit provided the words And the Holy Spirit provided the transformation that happened in that family. So that's what we're called to do, to go out, be obedient, share that good news in places where it might be uncomfortable. One of the examples I read about this is from uh, Lee Yi, who is a businessman from Hong Kong, but was speaking at a, um, a religious conference. And what he spoke about and contrasted was how frogs and lizards acquire food. The frog sits there, and he waits for his food to come to him. Sits real still, and then, boop, gets his food, gets his fly. He waits for that insect to come close enough to him that all he has to do is stick out his tongue and pull him in. The lizard, on the other hand, would starve to death if it behaved this way. The lizard has to go out into the world where the food can be found. We can't be frogs. We can't be frogs that sit in our God box, in our church. (laughs) We gotta be lizards. We need to go out into the world We need to go searching for places to sow the seed, to sow the gospel and the good news of Christ. Peter, I think, kind of went from being a frog to a lizard in this situation. He had seen his, who he needed to share this with as the the Jewish people and the Jewish community. And now, all of a sudden, the whole world has been opened up to Peter. Peter. We have to go where God is calling us, where we may be a little uncomfortable. We need to go big or go home. We serve a big God. We need to have those conversations that may seem a little uncomfortable. John Wesley um, was an ordained Anglican priest. He did not have a church for a while. Well, didn't have a church. And so he was called to preach. He knew what God had called him to do. And so he went and did something that he actually, even in his own, when he would write about it in his journal afterwards, still called it vile because it just went against everything he thought was proper and right. Are you ready for it? He preached outside in the open. He preached in fields. He preached outside of the church. He wasn't comfortable with it, even in in 
late into his ministry, he wrote about how uncomfortable that made him feel. It was a violation of the civil law. It was a violation of the canonical law of the church. But this is how he explains it. I have now no parish of my own, nor probably ever shall. Whom then shall I hear, God or man? He knew he had to listen to what God was telling him to do, no matter how uncomfortable it made him feel. The first time he preached in an open field, it was to 3,000 people. Most of those people would have never stepped foot in a church and did not feel comfortable there. He went out into the world. He sowed in an extravagant way. He sowed in an unexpected way. He shared the extravagance of God's love with the people who needed to hear it the most. And so for us as a church, what that means for the next 50 years is that we continue to pray together. We continue to read scripture together. We continue to worship together. And we continue to take care of the least, the last, and the lost in extravagant and beautiful ways. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed by that so that through the Holy Spirit, we can then share that message out in the world, share a love and a hope that will transform our world, that contradicts everything the world says to expect. It's how we begin to sow those seeds. We start with those prayers, scripture, worship, with that transformation in our own hearts. So as we continue in these next 50 years, I want you to think about in the immediate, 50 years sounds a long ways off. It probably sounded a long ways off to those first families who were starting church here as well. They probably couldn't even fathom what a 50-year celebration would look like. Who would have ever thought we would have had a, you know, digitized video on the screens in the sanctuary and that would have been shared in that way and that there would be people listening to us online and streaming live a church service? Would have sounded crazy 50 years ago. But we have this opportunity and the transformation begins now and continues And once we have that experience, we're able to share it with the world. As we continue to go through the celebration, it's an opportunity for us to look at the ways that we have in the past sowed extravagantly and to remind us, not that it has to be done in the same way, because it's not the same ministry that has to continue. It's the same spirit that has to continue. That's the common thread. That is what connects us to our beginning, to now, and to our future. It's the Holy Spirit moving through us. It is from God, sending through his Son, sending the Holy Spirit, sending the church out into the world. And if you have any questions about what that means, what that hope and that love looks like, where you are being called and being transformed, I want to invite you 
or if you're looking at how that, what that means to be a, as a part of KUMC, I want to invite you to, to speak with a pastor, to let us know. We would love to talk with you about that. We would love to hear your story and hear how God is working in your life and how that Holy Spirit is calling you to go out into the world, to be a lizard. So go, be a lizard. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.